The Interrobank podcast is brought to you by Simply Financial. Flex on your ex-bank with up to $700 from Simply Financial. Visit simply.com today. Conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the Interrobank podcast. I am your host, Ben Harrietha. So how safe are your sports? Thank you for joining us this week. Uh, we have another great episode and another great guest. First, here's what's making news at Fanshawe. On December 19th, Fanshawe announced that it would be canceling a scholarship in filmmaker Paul Haggis's name and immediately revoking his honorary diploma. The announcement comes just over a month after the crash director was found liable for raping a film publicist following a premiere in 2013. Haggis has been made to pay $13.3 million in damages following the civil trial. At least three other accusations have also been made, though Haggis denies the allegations and is moving to appeal the results of the trial. All images and references to the London-born director have been removed from campus and the school website. In some lighter news, this year's Adopt-A-Student campaign was a huge success. The campaign was started to fulfill holiday wishes and provide basic necessities to vulnerable students and families. This year's campaign raised $1,800 through online and cash donations. Additionally, a donation of $17,000 was made thanks to Fanshawe's retail services. The funds were used to purchase food, winter clothing, and toys for Christmas. And finally, over the last days of the first semester, Fanshawe's collegiate esports teams competed in their divisional championships, securing four titles. Titles 1 included two Valorant titles for Fuel's main and development team, as well as a Rocket League title for the junior varsity team, and a title for the school's Rainbow Six Siege main team. Adam Boyce, manager of the Valorant teams, said that the teams hadn't been playing too well in recent matches, but managed to pull through for the win. Matches were played in the new Fuel Station Esports Room in J-Building. For more information on these stories, check out our website at theinterobang.ca. So, this week on the show, we have Grant Dickey on. Grant is a biomedical engineering PhD student at Western who is currently studying Commotio Cordis, a rare condition that we'll explain a little later. The lethal condition is what is currently being fingered as the cause for Buffalo Bills player DeMar Hamlin's collapse during a game against the Cincinnati Bengals earlier this month. That all said, let's get into the show. All right, so Grant, welcome to the podcast, my man. Ah, thank you, Ben. I appreciate you for uh, for having me. Perfect. So before we get uh, before we get started, could you just uh, introduce yourself and I uh, guess what you do for the audience at home? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a PhD student here uh, at Western University. I'm in the biomedical engineering uh, department and uh, myself and my lab focus specifically on impact biomechanics. So that really ranges from assortment of sports injuries, uh, car crash, safety testing, concussions. And then in my case, my specific uh, PhD dissertation topic is uh, commotio cordis. So that's like uh it's a pretty interesting field to be in specifically with the with the topic of commotio cordis because from the small amount of research i've done into it it seems like it's a very rare phenomenon um how'd you get into that yeah it's a great question so the actual origins um of my my western university experience i actually came here originally with the goal of doing concussion research traumatic brain injuries that was always my uh, interest because I was always interested in uh, sport injury, sport safety. And as we were going along the process, we had quite a, in, uh, quite a few individuals in the lab group 
uh, that were doing uh, that kind of research. And we thought, okay, can we, can we stay in the sport realm and still look at injuries, but maybe something a bit more unique. And so we really, um, we had this project, the Komosho Cordis project, which, which had already been uh, preliminarily discussed, but nothing had really been set in stone yet. And then we, we sat down and said, okay, let's, let's take a look at this and let's see what we can do with it. And so sure enough, we started getting into it and doing a little bit of uh, research, working with uh, some of the computer software we used to, to simulate the impacts. And right from the get-go, we ended up getting some really nice results and things were working in our favor. And that ultimately led to us publishing two papers in my, during my master's. And now our third paper is under the peer review process, and I'm currently in my second year of my PhD. So uh, as you can see, it's been pretty successful in that sense. And it's been overall a great experience for not only myself, but uh, all of my uh, amazing uh, lab and group members. Um, and I'll, I'll give them their names. Uh, we have Koei Beyond. He is uh, another PhD student. And then Saqib Islam. He also is part of the project, and he's also a second year PhD student. That's awesome, man. Like getting like your papers published and stuff. And then now you got your third one under peer review. I'm sure that feels great. Yeah, I know. I really appreciate that. Um, and like I said, like it's a team effort, right? So everyone kind of puts their best foot forward into um, their specific skill sets. And we kind of work collaboratively as a team to make sure that all this research is thoroughly looked through uh, all of the results, all of the data, all the analysis, everything is uh, fine combed through to make sure that everything's accurate. So uh, it's definitely been a really good experience, um, not only for myself in terms of project development and carrying through, but my, I feel like my teamwork skills have really, really improved um, since starting graduate school. Awesome. So could you just uh, explain, like in kind of layman's term, what Commotio Cordis is? Yeah, the best way to describe Commotio Cordis is a non-penetrating impact over the chest, typically over the heart. And essentially what's happening to the heart is it's getting impacted, which the heart is electrically charged. And so that impact basically disturbs the electrical signaling, the electrical processes of the heart, and it results in the heart uh, no longer beating properly. And so it's going into this thing called a ventricular fibrillation, which essentially stops the heart from pumping blood out to the rest of the body. And so that's really what we see in, the, in these athletes. So. Commotio cordis recently has been uh, a big, it's, it's a lot of people have started to learn about it in the sports world because that seems to be the leading explanation for what happened to uh, DeMar Hamlin during the uh, Bengals-Bills game. Uh, is, do, you th do you also kind of agree that that's probably what happened? Yeah, so I've, I've just been prefacing all of my kind of uh, conversations like this by saying, I can't give you the 100% confirmation that it is commotio cordis. And I know you kind of alluded to that right there, kind of asking you that. And so do I believe it is? Yes, I'm 99.9% .9 sure it is. But we do have to wait for the medical doctors to kind of give us that confirmation, because it's a very unique thing to uh, diagnose. Uh, but yes, if you're asking me, I, I do personally, as long as well as as, as you've seen online, a lot of medical doctors are in agreement, but uh, we are just kind of waiting for that final uh, confirmation to confirm it. It seems to like what has uh, like, I guess, the what happened during the game, it seems to line up kind of almost perfectly with uh, commotio cortis and what has been seen in other sports and other uh, uh, other situations where it happened. So. I think it is personally. I also think it's the most likely explanation. I, I can't really think of anything else, you know, guy in his 
twenties and, you know, peak fitness, it doesn't just kind of collapse like that, you know? And so I think you bring up a really good point. Um, so what we saw in the case of DeMar Hamlin was he kind of stood up for two or three seconds. He adjusts his face mask, but as he's going into that process, you can see that some, some looks a bit off and then immediately collapses with no regard to protect, protect himself. Um, and so that is actually exactly what we see in these instances, uh, typically with a lot of younger children. So they will get impacted over the heart with things like a baseball, lacrosse ball, hockey puck, you name it. It strikes them over the, over the heart, over the chest. They're kind of a little bit in space there for two or three seconds and then immediately collapse right to the floor. And that's when we really need the, that resuscitation with the defibrillators. Perfect. And um, so going forward, how do you think something like that like, could be prevented? Is, is there a way to prevent it? Yeah, absolutely. There, there is ways to prevent it. And uh, we really are trying to, uh, I, I like to say, lead the way. But we're, we, we want to work in collaboration uh, with organizations, with companies, to uh, improve on sports chest protectors. So in terms of prevention, we are talking specifically in sports. Uh, there are cases of commotio cordis where it happens outside of sports. Um, as, as us, as, as engineers, as, as a medical, um, working with medical professionals and sports companies, we're really focused on trying to improve the chest protector and figure out ways that we can improve the padding and the area of the padding, as well as the uh, safety regulations for chest protectors. So I'm not sure how familiar, familiar you are with the chest protector uh, protocols for commotio cordis, but right now there exists baseball and lacrosse chest protector commotio cordis regulations. And basically what they do is they measure the amount of force that the chest protector can absorb. And although we do think this is a great start, we have analyzed from our peer-reviewed uh, published studies that by measuring the amount of movement and deformation of the rib cage, that actually correlated extremely uh, highly with uh, instances of replicated commotio cordis in our studies. And in addition to that, we also were able to identify potential areas over the chest that could also lead to commotio cordis that aren't necessarily being uh, highly protected in the current designs. And so I think a big uh, process here is getting the opportunity to work with um, some chest protector companies or sports companies and really work together, use our data, use their data, and figure out ways that we can improve on that current design. Um, because if you look at things like hockey and American football, uh, even those uh, sports, they, they both, neither of them have regulations and both of those sports uh, have relatively poorly designed chest protection in relation to commotio cordis. Why do you uh, why do you think that is? Because I'd, I'd say like uh, I mean lacrosse is a pretty physical sport, but I'd say hockey and football are like when you think contact sports, those are the two sports you think of. Absolutely, I completely agree. And I think when we look at the statistics, lacrosse, baseball, and, and hockey are really the, the three leading sports in which commotio cordis occurs. But as we know, as we know, it, it can happen in any sports. Um, so I think it's actually a great point that you bring up, you know, why do these not exist in these, in these very physical sports? And I think right now is the perfect opportunity to relook at those and reconsider those regulations. My 
PhD has really taken a turn over the last two weeks. And I think a really big focus of mine now is to get these regulations in chest protectors for both hockey and and American football and figure out ways that we can help improve on the current shoulder chest pad design because none of them are really designed to protect against it. And there's a lot of exposure in the, uh, the, the lateral area, the side area of the, of the chest there where the impact can occur and apply those forces and strains on the heart. Um, it, it almost seems like kind of like a perfect storm. Almost you're working on your PhD about commotio cortis and then suddenly commotio cortis just gets like thrust into like the news and everyone's mind. And I'm sure that was kind of almost, that was a shock to the system in a way. Yeah. And that was the thing. I was actually watching the game live and when the hit occurred, I, I, I didn't actually see it perfect in time, but I had heard people mentioning that maybe it was a concussion or a helmet hit. But then once that video started circulating on social media, I kept on watching it over and over again. And the first thought in my mind was, that looks exactly like Moshe Cortis. Just everything that happened, start to finish, the impact location, the way Demar stood up and and collapsed, and then the the need to use resuscitation because his his heart stopped. I, I just thought that's that's so crazy that that might be it. But I didn't want to say it because I didn't want to um, be premature and give anyone the false ideas. So I kind of waited. But then once all those medical doctors started saying it, I, I was like, yeah, I, I honestly completely agree. Everything leads me to believe that that was commotio cordis. And, and I was watching the, the game as well. I'm a, I'm a Bills fan. And uh, it, uh, it, it, the craziest thing about it is that it didn't even look like that bad of a hit. If you it like, you know, it, it doesn't lie. It didn't line up with other injuries like injury causing hits that we've seen in football before you, you see the hit and it just kind of looks like a routine tackle. And then he stands up and just collapses. Like that's it. Mm-hmm. And it. Yeah. And that's why it's so scary because uh, in this case, um, thank God there was the absolute world's best um, medical personnel on site and he was able to get immediate attention. But in a lot of these cases, it actually mostly happens in children with an average age of around 13 to 14 years old. And a lot of these instances happen, you know, on a baseball diamond or lacrosse field, and it's in a public area. um, And, you know, you're not going to get the exact same medical attention as you would see in an NFL game. And so I think it's extremely important that we stress to parents, uh, coaches, players that, you know, there's multiple people uh, at these games that understand first aid, they understand C- CPR, they know how to use a defibrillator or an AED. Um, people know the signs of cardiac arrest. And so I think there's a lot of benefits that we can take from such a tragic situation. Uh, so is it more common in youth sports? Yes, absolutely. We would say, I would say the overwhelming majority of cases happen uh, in youth sports. And so how we can explain that is due to the uh, size and flexibility um, in a in a child's, I guess we can say rib cage or, or thorax, and where the where the heart's contained. So the rib cage is more flexible. The muscles are not as strong. The bones not as strong. Whereas an adult, a grown adult, you have more muscle mass. Your bones are fully developed. Uh, just overall, you have a bigger, uh, I, I get you have a bigger chest chest area, and so it's able to. Uh, handle higher forces. And so with the, with the children, we definitely do see uh, these deformations from impact occurring at a much higher rate than in the case of uh, a more grown adult. 
Yeah. And, and you said, and you mentioned like around the ages of 13 to 14 and uh, I, I played baseball for the entirety of my childhood. That's right about when um, people like we start to not only eat like actual pitchers instead of a machine. And that's when people start to actually like be throwing the ball really hard. Uh, and I was a catcher. So I was on the receiving end of that stuff. And so it, it seems like just like a perfect storm of, you know, obviously children aren't, fully developed when it comes to their bone structure and their, and their muscle mass and everything. And then, but they're still getting strength in the arm to just essentially hit someone in the chest and cause that. Um, and, and that's exactly it. And the interesting thing about baseball is as you would know, playing uh, typically the catcher is really the only person who's wearing a proper chest protector. Um, you know, all the players, they may be wearing undergarments with some thin padding, some layers, uh, depending on which player you're asking. But typically, uh, the average baseball player is not wearing any protection over the heart. And so uh, I can understand that from a mobility perspective. You know, you want to be nimble. You want to be able to move around quickly. But I think there are ways that we can help design chest protection that doesn't uh, hinder mobility. And it'll just increase the uh, protection on the child. And so that, that we can reduce uh, those risks of case of commotio cordis. Um. Perfect. And is there anything else you think you'd want to add? Maybe people, uh, you think people should know about commotio cordis, or do you think uh, anything else that's maybe interesting about uh, Damar Hamlin or anything else you found in your research? Yeah, we're, we're continuously uh, finding new things in our research. Um, I, I don't want to jinx anything yet until we get this third paper published, but we have uh, had some really interesting findings in which we did compare age groups with commotio cordis. And we can really see the effect that it has on the heart in children versus adults. And so the unique thing about our research is we don't use any animal testing. We actually use these things called uh, finite element uh, simulations. And so they're really used to uh, have really, really high accuracy simulations. Um, these models are trusted by uh, car companies for car safety testing, pedestrian, pedestrian safety testing, um, all of that kind of stuff. So um, that's something definitely to look out for, for anyone who's listening to this and is, is, and is interested in the research. And then one final thought I would like to, uh, kind of mention is anyone who's listening that perhaps has any ties or relations to anyone with a sports company or organization. Um, we are actively pursuing ways to collaborate with companies right now, and we would absolutely love to work to make, uh, sports safer for, for children. Well, not even just for children, for, for all athletes of all ages, we, we really want to improve on sports safety. That is the primary focus of our lab group. Um, so we would, we would love to, we would love to hear from you. It's yeah. And, and you mentioned not the, not just the children aspect. It is, um, it's frankly crazy to me that this isn't some, this is something that hasn't been, um, like more well researched and more, you know, like, why isn't safety equipment like this already a thing in sports like hockey? We're noticing like the, the speed of uh, puck coming off the stick is, is only going up. You know, it's getting into the hundred mile an hour range. Uh, and it's. Yeah. yeah, Ben, you make a really great point. And unfortunately, I think if we don't act now, if we don't act while the, uh, if we don't strike while the iron's hot, uh, another case of this is going to happen. And here's the thing, when we look at commotio cordis uh, statistics, it's approximately a coin toss of whether you're going to survive it or whether you're going to, it, it's going to be fatal. And so, you know, in the case of DeMar Hamlin, like, thankfully, he, he it seems like he's 
on pace to make a, a, a full recovery and everything should be good on that end. But, you know, now we're looking forward maybe in a couple of years or, or maybe even sooner, maybe in the next year, there's another case that we hear about on a little bit of a higher scale and it's fatal this time. Right. And so we don't want to take those chances. Uh, we want to be on the ball. We want to get to it before, uh, before it gets to us. That's all I had. So thank you for coming on. Yeah. Thank you, Ben. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Interrobang. As always, you can catch up with every episode on our website or wherever you get your podcast. Pick up your copy of The Interrobang on newsstands now, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and be sure to subscribe to our newsletter to keep up with all things Fanshawe. For The Interrobang, I'm Ben Harrietha. The Interrobang podcast is brought to you by Simply Financial. Flex on your ex-bank with up to $700 from Simply Financial. Visit simply.com today. Conditions apply.